Hi, welcome back to another episode of Book Bestie. Today I'm joined by my friend Katie Legg to discuss City of Bones, the first book in the Mortal Instruments series. Katie holds a Bachelor of Science in Psychology and Criminal Justice from Old Dominion University, and she currently works at Topside Federal Credit Union as an AML analyst. Katie is not only a book nerd, but an avid gamer. Don't even try to talk to her when it's Microsoft Showcase or Nintendo Live time. Katie is beautiful inside and out. She's one of the kindest souls I've ever met. She's a boy mom and a cat mom, and if any person or animal is ever in need, she'll be their mom too. For those who haven't read the book, here's a little book blurb. An evening at a New York nightclub takes an unexpected turn for 15-year-old Clary when she witnesses what looks like a murder, but the victim's body has vanished into thin air. What's even more strange is that her best friend Simon couldn't even see the attack take place. The next thing Clary knows, her mother has disappeared and a hideous monster is in her apartment. As she struggles to navigate a frightening new world in which werewolves roam the streets of Chinatown and vampires right above New York City on flying motorcycles, Clary learns that she is one of the Shadow Hunters, an ancient line of demon hunters descended from angels. In dramatic circumstances, she is thrown together with handsome young Shadow Hunter Jace and his friends Isabel and Alec, and together they set out to discover what has happened to Clary's mother, as well as to rescue the Shadow Hunter's ancient and powerful mortal cup, which has fallen into the wrong hands. But Clary's interference in the demon world soon leads to some shocking revelations and the uncovering of some long-buried secrets. Let's get into it, besties. Hi, Katie. Welcome to Book Bestie. Thank you. Um, so before we started recording, you said that you've read this book multiple times. What's what's your reason for? I was gonna originally ask how you like the book, but you clearly like the book. I what's do. your reason for coming back to it? I honestly, I think it's just because I like it so much. The world that um, Cassandra Clare built with this series, it's and there's something super unique about the series. Mm-hmm. So, her world building is really cool. Like, um, so. My last podcast, we were talking about, um, like, the different vampire tropes, I guess. And in this book, she goes over vampires. Like, she has fantasy characters or creatures in there. Um, And vampires in this book can turn into rats and bats. Is that a thing that... Because you read fantasy quite a bit. Is that a thing that is pretty prevalent in the books you read? That they can, like, transform into different animals? Um, not typically, not typically, um, but there was a lot of different things about the characters in this book that I had not seen elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Like what? Uh, Well, the Nephilim, this is probably the, one of the first books I've read, including, uh, the lore regarding Nephilim. Mm -hmm. So that might be also something that brings me back because it is unique to what I'm used to reading. Um... When we talked about the vampires are different. The werewolves, I wouldn't say, are extremely different. Mm -hmm. Um, I do like that they were included. And the fairies weren't super different. I wish they had been included more. But she does does break them down into the Seely and Unseely. So I I like that also. Um, And all the demons are all very different. I think that demons are portrayed differently in probably every book movie tv show that you're gonna watch Mm -hmm. read and you you said you read the whole series do you get to meet more of the fantasy characters as you go through each book like does she give you more in-depth looks into each character yeah i would say so yeah i would say so um they expand quite a bit more on the the nephilim thing and meet more vampires and i I personally really love the the warlock Mm-hmm. faction that they have going on yeah. there um yeah you you meet quite a bit more characters and delve a bit deeper into the world I did I think it was super cool because so I read fantasy maybe not as often as you do so I I some of the creatures or beings or whatever that were introduced I hadn't heard of like there was um like the the bodyguard or whatever that was standing in front of the restaurant um that was like some something that I hadn't heard of like I don't know it was it was really cool I did like in the restaurant how 
the menu was catered to all the beings that could come eat there. Like, uh, Clary was like, um, I don't really want to eat blood. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, yeah. that was cool. That was a cool touch from, from the author. Um, so I was going to ask you if you suspected that um, Jace and Clary were brother and sister. You read the book. When you when you first read the book, do you remember like being totally like, oh my god? Oh yeah, I was shocked. Yeah. The first time I read this book, I was shocked. And I was mad. Yeah. I was mad because I loved Clary and Jace together. Mm. And then it's they you know, they, they have to break things off because they're brother and sister. <laughs> so, um it's such an awkward thing. It, it is very awkward because you can you can tell throughout the book that they're they had a lot of chemistry when they first met, and that mm. chemistry continues to build throughout the book. And then it's like, bam, <laughs> you can't have any more chemistry. But what's weird is I think the chemistry is still there even yeah. after they find out. So, um, so you weren't a big fan of Clary and Simon at any point. I like Simon as a character. I like Clary as a character. I don't like them together. I think that he treats her very well. She's mm. very supportive. Um, but no, I don't know. I just thought that there was... It's it's very clear that Clary is not... She doesn't love Simon the way that Simon loves her. Mm-hmm. And Simon deserves someone that loves him the way that he loves that person. Yeah. So, no, I did not... I wasn't a fan of them together. I thought it was uh, a little bit frustrating all of the the love angles in the book. So, like, Clary and Jace have chemistry. Um, Simon's in love with Clary. Alec is in love with Jace. Magnus sort of is crushing on Alec. Uh, Isabel, I guess, loves herself. I don't, I don't know who she... But there, there seemed... Uh, and then, like, with um, Luke and Clary's mom, Jocelyn... Like, Luke was in love with Jocelyn. I don't know. It, it kind of got on my nerves a little bit. Like, how many, it wasn't really, like, a love triangle. It was, like, a, a love cluster. Yeah, I think that's a good word for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, it, I mean, I guess it was kind of nice because usually in most books, you have, like, the couple that you're rooting for. Or like, like, with Twilight, like, it's you're either an Edward fan or you're a Jacob fan with this I like didn't know who I wanted to be in love and like who I wanted to just die or something like (laughs) um did you do you have that at all do you have that feeling like this is too much love or this does this simulate real life more than maybe other fantasy books would or other books in general would I do think it sometimes can be hard to follow but I didn't mind it. I mm-hmm. think it added a little bit of flair yeah. to the book. Um, yeah, I didn't mind it at all. It does get a bit messy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's life. But I, someone's always going to lose also. Yeah. You know, when you have multiple people in love with the same person, someone's going to get hurt. Mm. No one really wins, I guess. Yeah. Do you... So, like, still sticking to the love thing, do you think... Um, I think Hodge at one point said something like, like Luke was in love with Jocelyn and Jocelyn wouldn't reciprocate. And so Luke became bitter and that's why he turned on her and like, whatever, that was his explanation. And he was like, Claire, you need to be careful. If you keep trying to take advantage of Simon, then the same thing's going to happen. Do you think that was a way to, well, I guess like later in the series, is that just does Simon ever become like a bad guy? Like, does he ever start resenting Clary? You can, we can do spoiler alerts here. Spoiler alert. (laughs) No, no, he doesn't. Okay. So that's just Hodge being a douche. Yeah. How do you feel about Hodge? Oh, I do not like Hodge. Did you not like him like the whole time or once you realized that he was still working with Valentine, 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 Valentine. That's what I call him, Valentine. Okay. Um, you know, I was okay with him up until that point. I don't, I'm not sure that I had, um, you know, a super high level of emotion towards mm-hmm. him because I, 
I truly don't know if he really plays, uh, you know, a huge part in the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. So. I, so I did watch the movie a long time ago um, before reading the book. So I, I remembered that Jace and Clary were related. I did like how like subtle the hints were leading up to it. Um, but a difference that I remember from, well, okay. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because I didn't remember Hodge at all from the movie. So like in my mind, he's just hella insignificant. (laughs) So (laughs) I feel bad for him. Um, but in the movie, I remember feeling like really heartbroken, I guess, that Jace and Clary were brother and sister because I felt their love or their attraction a lot more and I don't know that I feel it so much in the book but does that you you alluded to the fact that um there being siblings doesn't all the way matter in the series do you feel like the movie will you have thoughts about the movie in the show I do I do I don't okay so addressing the movie in the the show first the movie was okay and been we got to give it a little bit of grace because movies are never as good as the books that they're written after. So it was okay. I don't feel like the casting was the best. I feel like many of the characters, um, if we're looking at physical appearance, the, the, the characters in this book are all beautiful, mm-hmm. right? I'm not sure they hit the mark in the movies or the TV show. Okay. Um, but the acting of, of, I think it's Jamie Campbell Bowers as Jace in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, he played really good Jace. Like, he was yeah. really good for that. But I don't know if his uh, physical features or physical attractiveness necessarily matched what I had envisioned when I read the book. He's, like, a very peculiar-looking person. Like, his face structure is interesting. So, yeah, I like, he wasn't objectively attractive I feel like yeah when you're reading the book I mean Jace is described as I mean he's hot yeah yeah book, and then you're watching the movie and you're like you know his acting's really good for this but it's just <laughs> not hitting the mark for what I thought he was supposed to look like yeah um the show I think got it all wrong oh they, yeah. I think okay. that they completely slaughtered the tv show and that really upset me and I, I it upset me just as much that they did not make enough off the first movie to continue making them because I think if they would have stuck with it, they would have continued to get better mm-hmm. over time. And I would have liked to see the series finished out. I think they cut that one off a bit early. Uh, the show was also canceled. I'm surprised the show wasn't as good because I feel like most of the time when movies tank, like I'm, I'm mostly specifically thinking about the Golden Compass, um, Philip Pullman series. I don't know if you ever read any of those, but they made the movies. I don't know if they made all three movies, but then they turned it into a TV show like two years ago. And the TV show, I feel like, is like spot on, but the movies were like, meh. So that's really disappointing. I haven't watched the show. That's really disappointing that the show is also trash. Well, the, okay, so it's, the character looks for me Mm -hmm. were just not there. Um... Some of the acting seemed a bit stiff or, uh, like, I'm not sure that they used people that had a whole lot of experience okay. for the show, and I think that might be part of the problem. It was extremely cheesy. Oh. It, it is extremely cheesy. Um, was it? It was on ABC, right? Or Freeform or whatever yes. it is now. Okay. Yeah, whatever it is now. That's, that's who did it, so that might explain some mm-hmm. of it. Um, but I, it just fell, uh, and I did try, I tried to watch it twice, and I couldn't get through it either time. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it just was not hitting the mark for me, so that's disappointing. Um, Is it Lily Collins who plays Clary in the movie? Yes. And she's not a redhead in the movie, right? She's brunette. It might be Albany, like Albany colored. I just oh, okay. rewatched the movie for the 20th time. A few weeks ago. Because, like, her red hair is, like, a really... Her red curly hair is, like, a really significant thing throughout the book. 
It is. And I don't think she was a bad casting choice either. Mm-hmm. I think that... And honestly, the um, the looks of both uh, the Clarys and the movie and the show seem pretty spot on to me. Okay. And they were both beautiful women. It was the Jaces okay. and the other characters that yeah. I really were not super... I was not super happy with. Well, yeah, I, that makes sense, especially since uh, Cassandra Clare was like, he's hot, he's smoking. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have some hot smoking guys playing those characters. Yeah, and I feel like also there was not a whole lot of... The, the chemistry you read in the book, mm-hmm. it doesn't really match what's on screen. Right. So that's also disappointing. Yeah. I did in the movie, like I said, in the movie I felt a lot more like sexual attraction chemistry between Clary and Jace than I did in the book. And I guess... I'm coming out of a bout of reading, like, romance novels recently, so I was expecting a lot spicier things in the book, but um, I realized afterwards, like, this is young adult Megan settled down. Um, all right, so shows and TV, or sorry, movie and shows, disappointing. So, yeah, so glad we got that covered. <laughs> so moving towards the, the whole brother-sister thing, are you going to read the rest of them? Probably eventually, but um, my memory is so garbage that if you spoil it, I'm not gonna. I'm probably not gonna remember. I will address it if you're if you're okay with it. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna say, guys, we're doing spoilers now, so fast forward if you don't want to hear it. So they are not brother and sister. <gasps> they are not. It was a scheme concocted by Valentine. To so, try to tear them apart. When you were like, they're supposedly brother and sister. I yeah. see. Look at you. You're hinting about all the hints and the things in the books. Okay. That's, wow. Okay. So he just stole a random person? Like, where did this child come from? <laughs> so there's a, okay, there's a lot of books in this series. How I, many I do not, uh, I want to say at least five or six. Okay. Okay. Um. Maybe more than that. And you got to think that there's... So there's also a prequel series. There's If we're talking about the Shadowhunters franchise, I guess you could say as a whole, there is a lot. Okay. Because she does uh, many stories about like Magnus and stuff like that. And she goes way back in time um, and does a series about past Shadowhunters. I think those are the Infernal Devices. Okay. Um, those were good too. I the this series that we're covering now, the Mortal Instruments, is my favorite. Um, <clears throat> and she, I think she's also putting out another Shadowhunter series. She's crowdfunding it right now. Cool. Yeah. So there's a lot of books there. Um, I don't remember what I was talking about. Um, they're not brother and sister. Uh, oh, the 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 random child thing. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I couldn't tell you exactly where that came from, but I can tell you that someone else pops up later on in the series that that will piece all of this together. So she's like, "Hey guys, you should fall in love." Just kidding, your brother and sister. So you can't be attracted to each other anymore because that's wrong. Just kidding, just kidding. You can be attracted to each other. That is really messed up. Poor Clary and Jace. Oh yeah, it's a roller coaster for sure. Do you feel like that's like a positive thing for you as a reader? Like, did you enjoy that roller coaster? Or was it just mostly frustrating? You like wanted them to be together, but then they couldn't be together, but then they could be together, and blah, blah, blah. I think it can be both. I okay. was frustrated, but I also enjoyed it because it it kept certain parts of the story from falling flat. Okay, like they have more than one reason to fight now. Mm-hmm. You know, they have each other, not just humanity as a whole. <laughs> they, they, they now can fight for each other. Right. Um, and, you know, their willingness and right to be together. So I, I, I could feel both. Yeah. Um, if you were a fantasy creature, what do you think you would be? Oh, that's a tough one. Okay. I would have to narrow it down to vampire or fairy. Okay. I'm obsessed with fairies. I'm also obsessed with vampires, but I'd probably lean more towards a fairy. What is the... So one of the creatures in this book, uh, Jace said, isn't, like, human size, is, like, 
tiny. What was that? Is that a fairy? Are fairies tiny? And I don't remember fairies. No, the the fairies look like normal people for the most part. Okay. Okay. You know they got the ears. Ah. And okay. They got some powers, but um, no, they look like real people. Um, maybe pixies. Pixies. That does make sense. Okay. Yeah, because you know everything exists in her world. There's yeah. not a creature that doesn't. Right. <laughs> So that's that's what my best guess would be with that one. Do you think in the book that Jocelyn is justified in making Clary forget about everything? Because like there's at one point Clary remembers when like when her memories start coming back, she remembers where I think she was playing with a pixie or she was like playing with something as a kid. Um, and that's not something that she remembered, like, when she had her mental block in. But do you, do you think, do you think that ultimately benefited her having the block? So, I think, ultimately, no. But do I understand why she did it? Um, she loves her daughter. She wanted her to have a shot at a normal life. But with the way that things played out... Um, Jocelyn knew that she was on the run. Mm-hmm. She knew that she wouldn't be safe forever. So I feel like at some point maybe she could have um, maybe not waited until she was as old as she was to, uh, you know, her teenage years to tell her, hey, this is why we're running. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what we're hiding from and this is what you are. So that, you know, when Jocelyn gets kidnapped and Clary is almost, you know, she's attacked mm-hmm. by a demon that um, she wasn't confused and she wasn't helpless. So I do think that Jocelyn ended up hurting her in that aspect. But I, I can appreciate a mother's love and her wanting her to live a semi-normal life. Yeah. But at the end of the day, she knew it wasn't going to happen like that. Right. That's the thing. She knew that Valentine would return and he would be after her and Clary. But so the thing that makes me think that it... Like, I understand she was trying to protect her daughter, but she knew that Valentine was alive because she said that at one point to Luke, like, he's not dead. Um, So she wouldn't have known, like, at what point he was going to come for her. So, like, even even if she was, like, all right, Clary's uh, 15 now, I can tell her. Or, like, I don't know. Like, it seems to me like it was ultimately a weakness because Clary did have a lot of catching up to do. She ended up putting herself into kind of vulnerable situations trying to understand why she couldn't see things like she was supposed to. Um, and I understand like that drives the plot a lot, but it, it just seemed like a lot of unnecessary trouble for her to go through just to be able to see things as they are. Do you think Luke is justified in how he, um, like, he tried to say, I don't care about Jocelyn, blah, 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 blah. Do you think, like, that was a good redirect on his part? Yeah, and I don't think it necessarily stops him from being come after. Mm -hmm. But I understand why he said it in the moment. Um, I was never mad at Luke for saying that. Did you suspect that he was a werewolf when you first read the book? In the beginning, I can't say that I did. Mm -hmm. I can't say that I did, but, um, you know, when we got to that part, I wasn't surprised. Mm -hmm. So, uh, everyone significant, I feel like, in the book is some form of supernatural. Mm -hmm. So, it's, it's, I feel like you, going into it, you know he's going to be something. Yeah. But what's it going to be? Right. I guess I'm glad it's a werewolf and not, like, a, a pixie. Some some lowly underworld guy. <laughs> well, they're all considered downworlders. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, all right, I can't think of any other questions off the top of my head, so I'm going to look up my notes that I made. Nom, 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 nom. Oh, I did... Okay, so there were points throughout the book where it seemed like Clary was really perceptive. Like, we got insight into what her thoughts were, like, the little italicized parts. Um, so, they, there were things that she was able to see that others weren't able to see, but she wasn't able... 
Like she, well, I guess it all changes now that we know that Jace isn't actually her brother, but she wasn't able to like piece those things together. Like she knew that her mom had a box that had JC on it. She wasn't able to piece together like Jace. She saw what Valentine looked like in the picture of all the, the circle members. He looked a lot like Jace looks from what I remember. Um, do you, do you feel like that isn't consistent? Like, do you feel like that's an inconsistency where she is like really perceptive in some ways, but totally blind in other ways? Um, I would agree with that, but I think what I try to think of when, when that's brought up, Hmm. I mean, when it's ever brought up, (laughs) is, uh, it, it took her a while to get out of the whole mental shield mm-hmm. thing and the stress that she must have been under while this was going. I mean, can she really give everything her 100%? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this makes sense, but that's just what I, I try to, to try to think of it as is maybe that's what the author was going for is um, we, we know that she does have powers that could be con- considered much more powerful than she could be considered much more powerful than a, a normal shadow hunter as she grows and develops her her skills um i don't know where i was going with this. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think they contradict though no i don't think so i don't and i i think that that all of that was for the story's sake mm-hmm. i guess is the simplest way to put it um and i guess too like in general like in real life you tend to be able to observe what's going on with other people more clearly than what's going on closest to you so i guess that is realistic i don't know it just it troubled me maybe not troubled me i i got frustrated a lot in this book um because she obviously she has the block or the uh the wall or whatever uh so she can't see she can't see things without like trying super hard in some cases um but it just bothered me that she like so clearly could perceive things but like she didn't know that simon was in love with her i don't know bothered me bothered me quite a lot i feel like that's common though with um female main characters Mm. so it's it's it it has stopped frustrating me. <laughs> You're just used to it. Yeah, I'm You're just jaded. because all I do is is read the young adult books, and every single female main character is like this. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. Do it's you feel just... like it's overused? A it, bit, yes. Yeah, yeah. Does, um, does it help the series along at all that Simon's in love with her, or is it just? Do you feel like it's just? Cassandra falling in line with the with the normal YA tropes, like having your best friend be in love with you. I mean, I guess you could say it's it's relevant in the sense that, and this is a theme that continues throughout the series, is that Simon would always do anything for her. Mm-hmm. You know, he he loves her. He wouldn't hurt her. Things like you know, things like that. But does it do anything for her love life or moving the story forward in a significant way? I can't say that it does. Mm-hmm. I, I would have to... I'm inclined to agree that probably it wasn't necessary. That it, it is her blending in with what everybody else does. Do you think if she didn't have that, you would notice it? Like, Do you think it's kind of necessary for the genre to have... Like, in YA fiction, to have your best friend be in love with you? Like, do you, do you think that's a requirement now as a YA author? Personally, no. No, I think that that's what they believe that the teenagers <laughs> want. Yeah. Uh, this idea that, oh, there's so many people in love with this girl, and she mm. doesn't even know it. Yeah. And I think that's probably part of the charm. It's the charm with Clary. Um and all the other main characters that this happens to is I'm I'm almost wondering if they're trying to give the effect that these main characters 
are such great people because they're not so self-absorbed as to notice that the best friend's in love with them. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or, like, this couldn't possibly be the case. Because it does seem like, uh, especially with female main characters, it's always like, I'm ugly, my hair is beautiful and curled, and I look just like my mom. And then, and then, like, some guy's like, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So I guess there is, like, the draw, because I, I know as a teenager, and even sometimes now I'm like, I'm the ugliest thing ever. I just want someone to tell me I'm beautiful. So I, I can understand that being a thing. Um, it does seem, it does seem kind of, like, empty, I guess. Like, there's not really... I just want something new, you know? I don't want the best friend to be in love with the main character. It's either a best friend who's in love with the main character or it's a gay best friend. I feel like there's there are no other options. Yeah. Um, I If I find one, I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> so far, I have not... Um, I have not encountered... I'm sure not all books are like that, right? Mm-hmm. But I think a really... A really a great deal of the young adult books are. Yeah. And I guess, like, I don't know, you kind of need some sort of formula to fall within the line of something. I don't know. I hate it. Moving on. Um, So, okay, so the Nephilim are part angel, part human. Um, We have demons we have different fantasy creatures but there's one point when clary and jace they go into a catholic church to pick up weapons before they go to the vampire den and um jace said something like i'm not religious um i don't really believe there's a god and clary said how can there not be a god if there are like there's devils and demons what is your like do you I guess you've read the whole series so is God ever a thing or do angels just exist and no God is there they don't have any sort of management system how does it work (coughs) so um it's been quite a while since I've read the last few of the book so I can't really put it into words what they find out at the end um but I will answer it by saying I understand where Jace is coming from Mm -hmm. because uh I think maybe in his mind uh the Nephilim are are solely there to take care of the demons Mm -hmm. you know make sure they don't get out of control um and it seems like most of the shadow hunters are on the same page. I don't know if that's something that is supposed to be ingrained in them, maybe because they are in um, institutes and things like that from the time that they're very, very young. Um, so I'm not sure they actually need a management system, but they have the the, cla- the clave. Right, right. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. So I think that if, if we're talking about management, it's probably going to be them. But the clave is, like, the management for the Nephilim. Yeah. But, like, there are angels, or at least there was an angel at one point to make the first shadow hunter, or the first Nephilim. Yeah. Do we see angels anymore, I guess? Um, Do angels exist? Where is God in all of this? (laughs) I I don't think that there is... A superior being mm-hmm. to the shadow hunters. I mean, you hear a lot more, a lot more often that angels are brought up, um, and you might, there might be like a part in the last book or something, where one of them actually pops up. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but that's where the also the um, the cup comes into play, mm-hmm. because they actually they really don't need any more angels. Right. They can continue to make shadow hunters with the cup. So. They they actually they they really with the with their little management the clave, <laughs> um, and the other nephilim, taking care of the demons getting out of hand, 
Um, they seem to have a pretty good management system going on their own until that doesn't work out. Okay. Which is towards the end of the series. All right. So. No more spoilers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can see it. So it's getting to me. I don't want to. I want to. I want to ruin it too much for you. Yeah. Do you think? Um, do you think it's strange that, so, like, we see demons pretty often, well, we see, um, the downworlders, uh, we only see one greater demon in the first book, at least, um, do you think it makes sense that the angels aren't more prevalent in the books? Like, do you, does it seem sort of like a cop-out, I guess, that the heavenly beings aren't really active, but all of the downworlders are? You mean like as far as the the dwindling number of shadow hunters versus the growing number of demons? Well, one, it seems kind of unfair, like the shadow hunters are taking care of the demon problem when like maybe the angel should be stepping in. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> But two, I can understand where Cassandra is maybe like, I don't want to, there, there are angels in this book, but I don't want to make this a religious book. So I'm just going to not have these people. So do you, do you think it's her like trying to create more struggle in the book? Like she's trying to be like, we got no angels. We got these shadow hunters though. Or do you think she's like, I don't want to try to say that there's a god, so I'm just going to not bring them up? I would agree with your the first uh, statement. Okay. I think that, I mean, there would be no series if the angels or god, god or the angels came down and were like, you know what, bond demons. Yeah. You know, there, would, there wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. But they don't do that. Mm-hmm. So there is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's up to the shadow hunters to figure out how to solve that problem. Right. Do you think... So there, So back to, like, the cathedral scene. My brain farted for a second. Um, Jace did mention, too, like, because... Because there are, like, demons in every religion, the shadow hunters are sort of welcome to any religious temple, building, whatever, and they, they have weapons at each place for them to use. Um, I forgot my point. <laughs> Do you think that's, that's, again, like, her just being, like, I'm not going to say that one religion's right. I'm just going to say, like, everybody is demons. Do you think... It just feels like a cop-out, I guess, to me. I don't know. I don't really agree. Okay. I don't really agree. I think that um, it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, imagine... So they're going to the vampire den. And they... they so they pass the Catholic church... And they go to a Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And maybe Clary's like, well, there was a church, you know, a mile closer or something, but it was a Catholic church. And Jace is like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh, we, we, don't, we don't come here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's that phrase? What's that? What do they say in Twilight? The Colons don't come here. Oh, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So I think that'd be pretty silly. So I think it was a way for her to open things up and show that there was a unity among Mm -hmm. religions, agreeing that the demons were a problem, acknowledging that they exist, um, but also them working together and for ease of access, Mm -hmm. also for descriptive terms. I mean, when you think of a Baptist church versus a Catholic church, or even just saying a church. I mean, it's probably, I mean, for me personally, it's much easier to uh, picture a Catholic church than it is other types of churches. Right. So it could also have been for, simply for descriptive purposes. That does make sense, yeah. Because, like, even in movies, like, you're not like, time to go to the Southern Baptist Church. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're always going to a cathedral. Yeah. Huh, okay, that's interesting. Because it, it could, I feel like it could be her just being like, Guys, like, we all believe in evil and good and, like, let's just get along. But I I don't know if she's making that kind of comment. But I do like how it's, like, you can easily picture a cathedral. Because that's what we see in movies most of the time. If anybody's going anywhere, they're going to a Catholic church, usually. 
Um, were you, when they got to the vampire den, so for me, uh, vampires seem pretty tough. Like in general, I think, I don't know if, it, no, even the Cullens, are, the Cullens are glittery, but they're still tough. Um, <laughs> I thought it was interesting how in the den they have like all of the windows boarded up. They have all the doors boarded up. Uh, the only way to get in, well, there is like the grate in the ground, but like they usually just go in through the roof. Do you like, I forgot what my point was with this. Hmm. It seemed like they aren't as tough because they, like the werewolves, they're just chilling out in a Chinese restaurant. Um, but the vampires are like, we're going to make sure nobody can get here unless they can fly here. Or unless they know about this grate. Do you feel like the, the vampires might be wimpy in this book? I know you want to be a vampire a little bit. I'm sorry to trash <laughs> your, your almost species. My hopes and dreams. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, sorry. I do, I would agree that they're a bit weaker, I think, in this series compared to other series that I have read uh, involving vampires. Uh, but I also think that this may be because, like, the they're really isolated. Mm -hmm. I mean how many of the other species really get along with the vampires? Even through the rest of the series, it's just... And they've been isolated, continuously isolated. So I think that that's how they prefer to live. Okay. So maybe it's it's even not so much as, um, well, you got to be able to fly get in here because we're weak and, you know, we don't want you to kill us as... If you're not one of us, you shouldn't be here. Right. We don't want you here. I did like how um, it, at Magnus's party, it was all of them just partying together. That was really cool. Because I, I do feel like in most fantasy books, there are like the, like the vampires still isolate themselves. But in other books, it's like, you're a werewolf, don't talk to me. You're a fairy, don't talk to me. Um, so it was cool how there were moments where they could just like hang out. Even the shadow hunters who aren't always the good guys the circle specifically um they were still welcomed into the party and i thought i thought that was really cool we can all get along that is one of the reasons why i think that magnus bane is absolutely a critical character in this series may not seem like it in the beginning but mm -hmm. he is uh he is right there at every turn and it's some of the moments that occur with him are uh are necessary for the story he was absolutely one of my favorite characters. Mm -hmm. Maybe even my favorite. Really? Yes. I, I adored Magnus. What are your like top three favorite characters? So Magnus, number one. Yeah, Magnus is up there. Um, I, I, I would also say I really liked Luke. Okay. I thought that he, his, the love he had for Clary and Jocelyn uh, really spoke to me even though him and Jocelyn weren't together, mm -hmm. and I say that in air quotes. Um, oh no, is that like a, like a winky? <laughs> Could be. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, regardless of all that, he's, he was willing to do anything for them, so I would have to put him in the top three. Um, and this may be like, I don't know, cliche, I guess. I love Jace. Mm -hmm. I really do. I was on his side every step of the way. I just loved his development as a person, as a character, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would say Jace, uh, Luke, and Magnus. Okay. When, um, when Valentine takes Jace, like when Hodge gives over, um, well, mostly he gives over the, the mortal cup, but he gives him Jace also um we see we next see jace <clears throat> valentine's told him that he's his dad um that jocelyn abandoned him all of that jace uh is very willing to believe valentine do you think that's just like the trauma that he was going through as a kid not having his dad i do 
I think that that's all that it comes down to. Um, I think that Jace wanted so desperately to have a family Mm -hmm. that uh, it might have even been possible to convince him to move to the dark side. Yeah. uh, Just so he could be with that family because it was so important to him. I just, I remember that part, even in the movie, I was like, this is, this is absolutely annoying. Like he's so willing to forget his principles just to side with his dad. Like anything that Valentine says, he's willing to believe because like that's his dad. Uh, Like all this stuff, like Jocelyn abandoned you, whereas like Jocelyn thought you were dead. And then it turns out he's not actually that's a whole other thing. Um, but I, I was very frustrated. I understand, like, that was probably very traumatizing. He witnessed his dad die. His dad's not dead. His dad, quote-unquote, is not dead. Um, but I, I... It just didn't seem... Clary was very compassionate with him throughout the book, and when she was trying to reason with him, he just absolutely wouldn't do it, and another time when I was frustrated I just it it made me so angry that he just couldn't see reason up until like the point when Clary was in danger um when Valentine almost stabbed her um do you think do you think if Clary weren't there he definitely would have just sided with Valentine and gone with whatever. Yeah, just completely defected. Yeah. I do, because I think that Clary was really his anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he didn't have that anchor, there would have been... There was no reason not to be evil. I mean, especially if he got his family mm-hmm. back. And I guess his like main motivation throughout the book is just murdering demons whenever... Or I guess they're not really murdering them, because they're just sending them back to the underworld um do you think the little bit that we know about valentine leading up to that point do you think that was when you first read the book that's what you were expecting him to be like do you were you expecting him to be that manipulative with the truth you know i expected a full-blown psychopath and that's exactly what we got yeah so i I, I wasn't surprised i mean i was surprised in the sense like what mm-hmm. you know but this was before i read the rest of them and i was like i cannot believe this but after after figuring out the truth um i i would look back and say man you you went too far mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that was that was excessive yeah <laughs> i didn't understand either uh why he put jocelyn in the coma um because so like she was being tortured is i guess what you can assume from the fact that she's chained to well she's in the bed but chained to the floor um but she was just in some sort of magical coma that they couldn't break her out of and i don't i don't fully understand what that does for valentine like he wasn't able to get information from her when she was in the coma I assume. And like his whole purpose was finding the mortal cup. Well, I I mean, the way that I think about it is that he knew that he didn't want to risk her going back into hiding mm. and potentially taking Clary with her. Um, he also still really loved her. However, and he loves way. people. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, I truly believe that he thought that they could get back together you know if he got Mm -hmm. the cup and he wreaked his havoc and did whatever he needed to do to the world she would be forced to be with him because she wouldn't have a choice yeah once he was the (laughs) all-powerful i I think that's what the goal was so i think that so just keep her in a coma until i can make her fall back in love with me yeah yeah or make it to where she doesn't have a choice right i love 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 wow okay um, I can't think of any other questions. Do you have anything that you want, like, that you really wanted to bring up during, so we went through, you did have tea about Cassandra Clare. 
Okay, so let me ask you what you think about this one. Okay. So, oh, no. Um, <laughs> I do follow her on social media. I know she's coming off that new series. And I think that I was on a Reddit. Okay. I love Reddit. Mm-hmm. I was on a sub for Reddit, and they were discussing this book. And there was a lot of um, negative opinions about this book. And I couldn't really understand it until somebody mentioned that she used to do fan fiction. So I, me being who I am, I have to know the answers to everything. So I went on this hours-long deep dive into the web to figure out what they were talking about and what the irate uh, nature was. And I can't... I've never laid eyes on her fan fiction, so I mm-hmm. can't say whether or not this is true. I can't say whether or not what I saw on the Reddit was true. But it turns out the chief complaint was that uh, she took her fan fiction, uh, which I guess was Harry Potter. I'm pretty sure it was Harry Potter fan fiction or something of the nature. Uh, and essentially just literally copy and pasted entire sections from those fan fictions and pieced them together to make City of Bones. So there was, uh, I guess, some outrage that it's not actually... She self-plagiarized. She took her own works that were meant to be something else and just changed the names and made an entire hit novel with that. So, but the the key here is that she self-plagiarized. This was all her work to be, to an extent, it was her work to begin with. She didn't create the world of Harry Potter. Um, But the fan fiction itself was hers. Right. So I don't, and I told you, you know, before I would always support her uh, and I would still be buying her new books when they come out. But I did think that was a bit odd that she, to think that she might, may not have actually written this to be City of Bones. Right. That she took the fan fiction and made it into City of Bones. Hmm. I mean, so writing a book is a huge feat. I, at some point in my life, want to write a book. I've only gotten, like, one chapter of this book that I want to write. Um, so I can understand being like, oh, but I I already wrote some stories. Let me, let me just turn that into the book. I don't think that bothers me that much. That's what I'm saying. It's really... But people, I think, over-exaggerate the situation. Again, I haven't seen the fan fictions yeah. um, enough... Really at all, so I can't compare them to City of Bones, but there were enough comments about it, um, you know, trashing her out for self-plagiarizing. And I'm reckoning also that you can read most fan fictions for free, Mm -hmm. but can you read the City of Bones for free? I mean, I get you have a local library and things like that, but if you go on Amazon, you would have to buy the book. Right. So I guess that their gripe is you took something that was originally free, self-plagiarized, and then turned it for a massive profit. Because not only did it sell a lot of books, you got a movie deal and a TV deal out of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like, um, I don't know if you got into, there's a comic series on Webtoons. It's called like The Olympian or something. I don't know, but it's, it's the love story between Persephone and Hades. Um, that comic got really, really popular. So the author and the illustrator, same person, ended up making that into a book. So it's all these things that you were able to read on Webtoons for free that people are, like, really excited for her for having something that you can, like, buy and she can get profit from. So it's it seems like it's the same sort of thing where, like, people should be happy for her to, like, be able to make money off of her creation. I think it would be a different story if this was, like, clearly just a rip-off of Harry Potter or, like, clearly a rip-off of, like, some other fiction. But this... I don't know. She did really well with the world-building. I don't... I don't know. That, that just really doesn't bother me that she did that. <laughs> well, and that was, you know, that is also something else that I was, you know, when I, I first came across this that I was thinking about is while I could understand that there is likely scenes that she took from the fan fictions mm-hmm. um, and 
turned them into to fit City of Bones, there's no way that she ripped off the entire fan fiction. Yeah. There's none because there is so much uniqueness to this series that I have not encountered um, in any other series that I just don't, I don't, I don't think it'd be possible. Yeah. Um, and if she ripped off a few things here and there from her own work, who, does anyone really care? I think that these days people just try to find problems where there is none. I think it would be different if she were, like, taking somebody else's fan fiction. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, if she's just taking her own... I have no issues here. You you go on and do your thing, Miss Cassandra Clare. And again, didn't read the fan fiction. I can't attest to the validity of the comments. <laughs> I can just tell... I'm just here to tell y'all I read through hours of comments, did a little bit of research, and that's what people are irate about. Wild. She still uh, seems to have a fair number of supporters, though. Her yeah. crowdfunding, um, I think within the first 24 hours or so it was posted, half of the, the funds needed to publish that series were, were met. Wild. So she's still doing quite well, regardless yeah. of what people think about her. It's interesting that she needed to crowdfund to do the new book when she I'm sure she has tons of money from City of Bones. I have also found that more very chance. odd, um, but I have... I did not engage with the crowdfund <laughs> simply for that reason. Um, I'll buy it at some point, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to Amazon or something like that. Um, I that was the first thing I noticed that I felt was very odd. Now it could these could be limited editions. Okay. I don't know. Maybe she couldn't uh, find a publisher to back her anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And maybe it comes down to um, it's more of an issue than what we just talked about. Right. A publisher got wind of or self-plagiarizing and didn't want to be involved That's with fair. that. So, I mean, if you think about in college, you're absolutely not allowed to self-plagiarize. Mm-hmm. And it's a big deal if you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe it's the same kind of concept. Yeah. Maybe once that got out, um, if it's true, uh, that kind of muddied the waters for her a bit. I don't know. It's just a theory. I don't know why she's crowdfunding it. I did think it was odd. Yeah. Wow. That was good tea. Thank you. Tasty. I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know the validity, but I'm just telling you what I found. I did think it was interesting, the yeah. whole thing. It, it did not bother me. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally unbothered. She stole from someone else, then uh, I would be, I would probably no longer support her, but it, she took her own work. She turned it into something better than it probably was. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and even like, weaving together the different pieces like that takes effort and creativity like I thought you were gonna come in here with like a JK Rowling she actually hates trans people type thing no I can't say that I've seen Cassandra Clare um do anything like that okay that's good she seems pretty uh pretty normal on social media that's good okay awesome was there anything else you wanted to talk about, bring up about the book? Not that I can think of right now. I mean, I would highly encourage everyone to at least finish the Mortal Instruments series. Mm-hmm. The other, there's at least two other... Like spinoff type yeah, things? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that are, they're good, but in my opinion, not as good as the Mortal Instruments. Mm-hmm. But they're in the same universe. Okay. So if you were a really big fan of this book and this universe, definitely branch out and go read the other ones. If you, I'm one of those people that wants it to keep continuing, even if it gets worse. <laughs> but I don't think she did that with the others. I don't yeah. think it was a matter of it getting worse. It, uh, they just, and maybe it was a matter of me having already been exposed to the world that she built. That it, mm. the, you know that feeling you get with a new book and you're entering this world and seeing how it's built and how it functions for the first time mm-hmm. I think maybe that's what made it lackluster for me the okay. other series it's very good still yeah but there's something about getting into this world for the first time that if you've read this and then you try to read mm-hmm. those well I already knew all this happened <laughs> give me something new yeah <laughs> and it's not her fault. I mean, she's she is milking this for every dollar that it's worth. Yeah, I would probably do the same thing if I could write a book. <sighs> cool. Well, all right, Katie, I have some questions that I ask all of my guests on the podcast. 
Um, I did get a note from Courtney for her episode that I need to start sending these questions ahead of time. So Katie got some time to look over the questions just now. Um, so what is your favorite book that you always recommend or your top three favorite books? So if we're talking about a series, which does have three books, coincidentally, <laughs> the, uh, it's called The Ark of a Scythe, uh, but the first book is just called Scythe, and then they're named as differently as the, the two other books come out. But they, that is one of the series I think that I recommend the most to people. And it keeps in line with uh, the fantasy, but it's more of like a, a sci-fi, mm-hmm. I guess, kind of fantasy. It's not normally what I read, but they were very well written and love the world that was created with those as well. So that was the one that we were originally going to do for the episode we were, had scheduled before. Um, I'm glad you were able to come on the podcast, first of all. Um, I didn't realize that it's pronounced Scythe until uh, like a month after I did the recording. Like, next week we're going to read this book. I thought it was Scythe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's, I'm a, I'm a 32-year-old woman who only just learned how to say scythe. Um, but the first book was very fantastic. All right, so second question, who is your favorite author or your top three favorite authors? Well, I can give you, keep it in line with uh, The Ark of a Scythe. Uh, Neil Shusterman mm-hmm. has produced some phenomenal work. I've read several of his series, and each one has been amazing. Um, if you really like the Scythe series, uh, I would check out also the Unwind okay. series. Amazing. Um, and John Green. So it's a toss-up. And I'm such a sucker for John Green. Yeah. I have read probably everything he's ever written. So I would honestly say, and I haven't read everything Neil Schusterman has written. So I guess that if we're talking about a favorite based off the amount of work I've read, it's probably going to be John Green. Okay. And John Green, he was uh, finding Alaska. Sorry, I got a phone call. So John Green is looking for Alaska. Yeah, looking for Alaska. Another um, another famous one is The Fault in Our Stars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Paper Towns. So I think you did recommend... I. I think I've already read Fault in Our Stars, but you recommended Looking for Alaska to me at one point. I love that book. You said that one's good if you want to cry. Yes. <laughs> yes, but that's what John Green does, though. He just, he's like, he wants you to here, feel feelings. bop. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, if you really want to cry, there is a girl that the Fault in Our Stars is actually based off of. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she has passed. And... He took her diary, mm-hmm. and he essentially turned it into a, a book. It's called This Star Won't Go Out. Really good. That'll mess you up, too. Oh, my gosh. My husband had to take the book out of my hands oh, no. at certain points because I was crying so hard. Yeah. Oh. It's not just her diary. There's a bunch of stuff in there. There's pictures of her. Mm-hmm. Her family writes open letters things like that so it's um the worst part was when I got to uh her siblings their like their letters oh yeah yes it was the worst (laughs) it was so well because I have so many siblings so just putting yourself in that situation so but it was I would not take back reading it for anything Mm. so if you like that book definitely if you like The Fault in Our Stars read who it was about okay that's important all right cool okay so John Green Neil Schusterman um next question is what is your favorite book format so kindle audiobook hardcover paperback well i can tell you right now i have never listened to an audiobook in my life and probably never will it's just there's something like about having it tangible Mm -hmm. um and i think there's i i will i love my kindle Mm -hmm. i use it so much because of the instant gratification I guess you know I can go on there order whatever book I want and have it within 30 seconds yeah um but I'm I also have to my husband's dismay (laughs) a ridiculous amount of books yeah 
uh, because there's also nothing like having it in your hands and mm-hmm. flipping the pages yourself. So there's conveniences to both, but, um, and I don't know if I really have a preference on hardcover or paperback, okay. but my preferences are definitely Kindle and the, the traditional right. books, I guess you could say. So like anything but an audiobook. Anything but an audiobook. <laughs> it's just, I, I think that they're great for some people, but yeah. I, I feel like I'd probably fall asleep and crash my car. If I was playing an audiobook in the car. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, so we're just going to stay away from them. Yeah. To save my own life. That, the safety first, for sure. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite bookstore? I don't. I will go into any bookstore at any given time. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a few in town. Well, they have Barnes & Nobles. They have Books A Million. I've, I'll go to both of those. And then they have one in downtown. Mm-hmm. Riverby? Um, that one? Is that what it's well, you and I went, I think. Yeah, yeah, that was Riverby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think I, get, I reckon that's all of them yeah. up there. And I've been into all three. I will say that I probably find more at Books A Million that I like. Mm-hmm. And Barnes & Noble would be a second. And you said Riverby? I'm pretty sure that one's Riverby. Yeah. It, yeah. it feels right. That will be down the list. I, th- I don't know if I've ever actually bought anything from there. Yeah. But I do, the the aesthetics there are just so pleasing. Yeah, the little reading nook by the windows. And the fact that it's in downtown is just beautiful. It's a beautiful uh, store. So, yeah, I don't know if I really have a preference on bookstores. I, um, yeah, I get that. Um, Okay, so where do you usually do your reading? Usually laying down, you know, before bed, mm-hmm. and that's what gets me in the most trouble <laughs> because before you know it, it's 3 a.m. Yeah. She can't put the book down. So I probably should stop. Yeah. But yeah. that is currently what I'm doing because um, it really helps wind me down. I can't read in the car because I get car sick. Right. Um, and I work and, mm-hmm. you know, the kids are always screaming or something. So really that's, that's where it is. <laughs> it's the bed. When, when I'm they're about to asleep. Go to sleep. Yeah. 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 I want to have my peace and quiet. Love that. And um, for socials, Goodreads is what you said. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to link Katie's Goodreads in the episode description if anybody wants to follow along. Um, she doesn't put everything up there, apparently, but maybe she'll change that. If enough people follow her. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I have. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. This is a ton of fun. Yeah. Yay. Thank you so much to Katie for coming on to the podcast. For the next episode, I'm planning on having Simeon Niesler on the podcast finally for The End of History and the Last Man by Francis Fukuyama. See you on the flip side, besties.